you want to guarantee and make promises on your service levels on, you know, we're going to get back to you when you call us, you know, you can come to us with any financial question. If we can't answer it, we'll give you into the right, um, uh, into the right Avenue. Um, we're not going to nickel and dime you. You know, we're not going to, we're, we have transparent pricing. You, you want to sell the promissory side of your business. That's, that's the relationship side. As professional financial advisors, we strive to build a brand that portrays mastery. The tragedy is that we can easily lose track of what true genius is, the ability to do the common uncommonly well. Finance, just like fitness, is built on simple, functional principles. You pick things up, you put them down, you get stronger, right? Functional finance is about getting back to the basics, diving into those fundamentals, and resisting the urge to chase the noise. Jess Bost is a retirement income certified professional and the vice president of brand partnerships at Alpha Architect. Due to industry regulations, Jess will not discuss any of Alpha Architect's funds on this podcast. All opinions expressed by Jess and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Alpha Architect or its affiliates. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. For more information, please visit www.alphaarchitect.com. I'm Jess Bost with Alpha Architect, and I am here today with Kyle Happy with Backstop Compliance. And I am super excited to bring him in today uh, on my, you know, original gotta have these people on my list for podcasts. <laughs> he was at the top of it, and uh, I'll tell you, it is probably because compliance was such a headache for me <laughs> that it was top of mind, but yeah. also because Kyle was such a, um, such an encouragement through that time. He was a resource when I thought about how do I make this work? He had answers for how to make it work, not reasons why it can't work. And yeah. I'm always looking for those kind of people to partner with because I feel like those are the ones who are going to help us find solutions. Uh, and so Kyle is definitely a solution-oriented person. He is part of the reason why I am today because he was an encourager and a cheerleader along the way. And so I'm super excited to have him. Kyle, tell us a little bit about Backstop and how you got there. My name is Kyle Hoppy. Um, I own Backstop Compliance, uh, a full-service compliance consulting firm for RIAs as well as fintech firms. And in my 15 years, I, I've been a compliance analyst. I've been in fintech. I've been an auditor. I've been an advisor for about seven years. And what it really taught me was compliance is, is probably the number one thing that financial advisors don't necessarily focus on, but has the most effect on their business. And as an advisor myself, I could get around a lot of stuff because I knew the internal policies and procedures. I knew how to work and talk to compliance analysts. So when you know I was ready to, to start this business, I jump for I just jump for it because I'm here to help good advisors. I like good advisors who help clients and I want to make sure that they're protected in their compliance needs and know what they're doing. Awesome. Yeah. And I can vow I can say that was absolutely my experience with you. Um it's just like you said, helpful, solution oriented, um, here to make the industry better. So Exactly. And that's my, yeah. my main goal is to make yeah. sure advisors can take care of their clients, not, you know, and avoid those 
overlaying risks that they might not see. Yep. Because nobody wants to go to jail. Nobody does. Nobody wants to go to jail. Well, unless you <laughs> I mean, maybe that's I, I a little bit else. of a broad statement, but I didn't want to go to jail, but I still wanted to be able to follow my creative instinct. So Exactly. Um, and that's the that biggest was, thing. Yeah. There was that big that that line that I was all I felt like I was always walking. So I have somewhat prepared you for this lightning round. You have a minute. We're gonna go through as many questions as we can. Uh, about different things that you use to start your workouts, exercises, things like that. You ready? Perfect. Let's do this. Okay. All right. Kick it off. Favorite exercise? Um, clean, clean and jerk with my shoulder. Uh, it's gotten a little bit more difficult over time as I've gotten older, but sure. I was a former uh, athlete and a baseball player, so we did a lot of lower body and core work, and the free weights of doing the clean has just always been my number one. What's your favorite pre-workout? So for me in pre-workout, I mean, it gets tough to get out there, especially as you get older. Um, if I tell myself, hey, I need new you know, shoes for, for getting out and being active or for running, not that much, to be honest with you, but <laughs> to get out walking the dog or I'm a big believer in getting sports equipment for when I out, go out coaching, that's will be my motivation to get out. A PR that you're proud of? In, in 2015, I got really sick and they discovered a tumor in my small intestines and I had a big long surgery and a couple treatments after that and it really knocked me down and yeah. my wife had the great idea of uh we, we have an event here over uh you know labor day or memorial day weekend uh, a 5k and a 10k and she's like let's train for that that's that's a way to get you out and we did cool. it and it was a run walk cool. for me and yeah. parker my son beat me my eight-year-old or at that time he was about four beat me like nobody's business but it felt great getting out there and i'm not a distance runner um i always tell people if i'm running follow me because i'm running from something and it just felt good to complete it because i was i was down in the dumps i was i was tired i was sore and it was easy for me to say i'm not going to do anything but having that motivation to go do it and completing that is is up there with even my, my biggest baseball accomplishments, to be honest. So, okay, so for the two-minute drill, our goal, uh, my goal really with this was, again, to source true questions from people who have either worked with you in the past or from listeners or from people that I know. Really, some of them came from my own experience, things that I reached out to you and asked, uh, really to find out from a compliance standpoint what are the ways that we can optimize what we're doing? How can we spend the least amount of time worrying about going to jail and the most amount of time <laughs> maximizing what we're good at? And so that was where I got in into this idea of let's just see how many questions we can pop through with Kyle to bring some great information to our listeners. So I love it. We'll, we'll jump right into this again. Our goal is to stay to two minutes. If you don't, you're not going to jail. Okay. Just so. cut me off. Just just get the uh, orchestra playing and play me off the stage. <laughs> so, all right. So our first question, what do you consider to be the most important role of compliance? Ooh. So compliance is a real kind of overarching, you know, topic in the industry. But for me, compliance really comes down to protecting advisors from potential either regulatory issues or client issues. And as well as protecting those those end clients of issues of financial abuse or mismanagement by advisors. Compliance is there to really be the eyes above the, uh, the advisor to show, hey, this is an issue that needs to be addressed and addressed now. This is something you might want to do you know, down the road differently. 
or you know this is how you react if a regulatory event or a, com a client complaint comes through you know compliance oftentimes is the bad rep of you know we're stopping business we're revenue you know stoppers but that's really not what it is there's there is a rhyme to the reason um, we are really there to make sure that those little things that you might not think is a big deal doesn't blow up to eventually become a big deal. Advisors have to be experts on so many issues that compliance sometimes isn't one that they spend the time to. So compliance is there to be that expert, outsource that, be the, be the ones reviewing the stuff that needs to be reviewed so that you can continue to run a successful business and your clients are happy to know that they're being taken care of. What's the best approach for pushing back whenever I get a no from compliance. So kind of along that route, I reached out to them. I said, this is what I want to do. It feels like a no is really stopping me from doing something that's important to me. Um, I don't understand why compliance said no to that. What, like, what's my best next step? Keep your cool and be level-headed. If you go off the rails, you know, that person's going to reject it and continue to rejecting it. Um, ask for a meeting to go over the issues and so you can know what's going on. Then in the meeting, the biggest thing is don't take because we said so as an answer. That's that's not professional in the compliance department. And you can't respond with, but I want to. Or I hear <laughs> all the time, hey, <laughs> Jess down the block is doing it. Why can't I? Um, you want them to provide the details as to why they said no with the direct policy it violates and how you violated that policy. You then need to reply with why you think you were right how it doesn't violate that policy in your eyes. And then you kind of have to see what happens from there. Um, I think I got a reply one time that says, I don't understand the, the point of this post. And, and that was when a, a moment where I was, you know, big question marks. What do you mean you don't understand that? That's not your job to understand. The that's point not their of my job. Post. No, no, no. Their job is to say this violates a policy and you can't do it. Not why are you doing it? Um, especially <laughs> on the marketing side. Um, you know, if you're getting more into the investment management side, that might be a little bit better of, hey, why are you buying this bond or why are they switching out of this fund? But to do a marketing, it, it's not their job to yeah. understand it. It's their job yeah. to see if it violates. So oftentimes, yeah. no is just the easiest response. Um, yeah. We're dealing with a bunch of other big issues. Um, we're just going to say no to this on a mass level or, you know, if it hits X, Y, and Z criteria. But still, you, you want to know that. You want to know yeah. why they're saying that. Now, especially in the BD world, um, you might not know that um, another state is looking at another advisor for doing exactly that. Or maybe the SEC has come in and seen multiple advisors do something wrong. This is borderlining on that. So we're going to kind of you know keep this close to the chest and not let you do it so another state comes after us. But they should be able to explain that to you. And that's a rational answer. If you can come back and say, I disagree or try to prove your point, they still say no. Then, then it comes into the pick your battles. Um, is it something you need or is it just something that's annoying to you? Um, and then sadly, <laughs> that's when the biggest. I annoyed a lot. Yeah. And then the biggest thing is, is, is I mean, worst case scenarios, you might need to ask yourself, are you at the right place uh, for your business or is it time to move on? Yeah. But always push back and ask for facts. Make them prove to you why it is like it cannot happen or it doesn't work. 
and yeah. always bring your information of this is why I think it does and why it should be okay. And if not, you just get into a they said, they said situation, and then you're just arguing and talking above each other and nothing's going to happen. And I think that was one of the red flags for me too, is because when I would push back, I just wouldn't get any, any response. I mean, I think, yeah. you know, th that should be a red flag for advisors when they're asking those legitimate questions to their compliance department and they're not getting a response or they're exactly. not. Exactly. If you're not yeah. getting the response or you're not getting an adequate response, then it's okay to push back and ask for escalations. Talk to a manager, talk to the head of the department that's making those decisions and say, I want to know why. And not just because I'm pushing back on this one specific item, but I want to build this into my policies and procedures so I don't do this again. I'm wasting right. a lot amount of time fighting this battle. How can I go about that I don't have to do it again? Another good thing is I can't do this. What can I do? Can I do that? Let's see if we can meet in the middle. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, when I was yeah. a compliance, because I did, I did broker-dealer compliance internal, and that was my how I handled it. Um, no, you can't do this, but you can do that. Um, yeah. Or you can do this if you remove X, Y, and Z, then you're good to go. I think I had one time a you know a coin, a penny, or something in one of my um, ads, and then I went around and was trying to get something else approved, and it had some other type of coin or something in it, and they wouldn't approve it that time. And this goes on to another question, so we'll pick yeah. up with another question. It says every time I ask a compliance question, I get a different answer. I don't want to do things that are non-compliant, but I feel like so many times I have to backtrack because I followed a process I thought was safe, but then ended up being rejected. How do I build a workflow system that isn't constantly getting disrupted by a new compliance rule? And that was exactly my experience. I followed a process with my media team to create a logo or to create an ad that I thought was going to just be absolutely awesome. And as I'm looking at it, I'm filtering it yeah. through the things that I'd experienced before with compliance. This was okay at that time, but now I got a new compliance officer and I'm getting a no this time. Exactly. Why isn't, you know, why, why are we getting two different answers here? So this is, this is a really common problem in compliance and also in regular, in the regulatory space. Um, the fact of the matter is that compliance issues are not black and white. It's nothing but shades of gray. And analysts, officers, managers, or even examiners, they, they have to interpret a lot of their own, and that changes from person to person, um, depending on how that person, where that person was trained, where they have worked, what they have done outside of compliance. I view compliance different than somebody else a lot of the times, not going to lie. <laughs> a lot of times, um, probably. Because I was an advisor myself once. I understand, yeah. you know, risk levels and... Sadly, because of that, you know, advisors are getting a different answer from person to person and they need a way to handle like misinformation, just like anybody else. And the best way to start with it is doing your own research. Um, again, you can't just come in and say, I want to do this. You need to come in and say, this is why I believe we should be able to do this and why it's okay. Um, you need to be informed. It can't just be a hunch or because somebody else's. Be informed. Read your policies or procedure manuals. You don't want to be the person that shows up and goes, hey, compliance, why can't I do this? Well, it's in this, you know, read your policies and procedures manual. Well, what's that? <laughs> you know, that's not going to get you any, you know, you got to show that you're putting in the time to be a compliant advisor. And then yeah. that's going to go a long way. Um, then you, get, you need to reach out. You need to say, I need an explanation for this. I'm hearing multiple, you know, answers from multiple people. 
I need to know what the answer is and I need the rationale behind it. Again, it goes back to the, I'm proving you my documentation, you need to prove to me yours. And if you handle it along the way of, I'm right, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to be compliant. I want to be right. I don't want to take up your time. Right. You know, I, me as an analyst, I, pre- I, I really appreciated that because that's telling me that's not just somebody throwing a tantrum that they can't do something. That's somebody saying, I want to do it right and I don't want to have to deal with it anymore. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's it. I want to bail out a policy workflow. You know, how do I write this down so nobody on my team ever does this again? Or we do it yeah. right all the time. And like I said, that, that makes me feel really good as an analyst because you're taking care of it. Lastly, if you can find compliance people within your department that you work well with, work with them. Um, even if it's not their specialty, if you're good to them, you're nice to them, and you come in with a, I want to be educated, I want to do this right, I, as an analyst, am going to help you. Yeah. You know, for me, um, you know, if it was a, a process that I didn't handle, like I, I was on the equity side, print mainly uh, commodities. But if an advisor called in with a variable annuity question, um, I'm not just going to send them to the call center or to some random person over there. I'm going to call my buddy that that's in that division, and she's going to tell me the right answer, and then I'm going to tell the advisor the right answer, you know, because I like you. I want you to be successful because good advisors that don't violate compliance all the time makes compliance departments' jobs a lot easier. My day could be a lot better knowing I've been helping these 10 advisors and I don't have to worry about them anymore. You know, if I'm assigned 50 advisors I need to supervise and I know that 25 of them are great, my day is 50% easier than everybody else. I'm still going to do my job and make sure because, you know, you always got to be professional. But if I'd rather have the 25 that are calling me saying, how do I be better and I work with them rather than the 25 that don't say a word and it gets just nasty from there. How do I look at something and know whether or not I'm actually promising something just by, like I said, having a dollar sign or a coin in my, you know, what, what that, are we looking those for? Are, those are truly extreme examples. That's, yes, I, yeah, I mean, let's, <laughs> on a more basis. But when you're looking basis, for it, what are you thinking? Don't make guarantees or where I see the most of it, don't make over-the-top statements. In a day of like social media where hot takes are all over, and you want to be the the one, the best, you don't want to put anything out there that may, has a client thinking, um, if I use XYZ or if I do this, um, I'm going to hit all my goals. and Or they didn't do that and they didn't hit their goals. That's, that's what you want to really avoid on the promissory side. You know, the guarantees are easy. Don't sit and say, we're going to you know, put this into a value portfolio and I'm going to guarantee you 8% return. That's not, (laughs) Not if you do that, you shouldn't be in the industry. Um, But also don't say, oh, I use um, value indexing investing and it's the absolute best way to hit your financial goals. You know, that's a little over the top. That a client could hear that and say, well, okay, if I do that, I'm going to hit all my goals. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, I think the issue, the yeah. issue a lot with advisors, and you've probably experienced this, is that we want to build that trust with a client, you know, and so we're 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 searching for that found, you know, that foundation that we can stand on to begin to build that trust, and especially when it comes to the investment world, and I've certainly experienced this. When it gets to the investment world, 
I might not feel quite as confident about the things that I'm saying to my client Mm -hmm. because of the nature of the fact that you can't, I mean, you can't promise the future. Exactly. We, we are struggling sometimes in that area to find something that we can promise because we feel like promises build trust, right? Exactly. That we can say. So what would your best advice be about, you know, how to, how to build that trust without creating a a promise I guess. the best way to do that is is remove that financial the investment the planning side out of that equation you want to guarantee and make promises on your service levels on you know we're going to get back to you when you call us you know you can come to us with any financial question if we can't answer it we'll give you into the right um, uh, into the right avenue. Um, we're not going to nickel and dime you. You know, we're not going to. We're, we have transparent pricing. You you want to sell the promissory side of your business? That's that's the relationship side. You know, if 100%. you send us a piece of paperwork, we're going to process it same day or next day. You know, at at the minimum. You know, at the at the longest. That's something that you can stand behind and. No client's going to say, time, yeah. hey, I didn't hit my retirement goals. You promised me you, you process every you know, new account form within 24 hours, and I lost money today. That, th- those two don't go together. But if you yeah. promise that you're going to get them to where they need to go or that this portfolio or this fintech tool is the best around, then you're kind of laying that on a little thick, and it gives that leeway to that client to say, I'm taking care of not because I trust this person, but because they've guaranteed me that I'm going to be successful. Right. And no, absolutely. That, we see that, that a ton. solid gold right there. Yeah. And it's easy to get caught up how fintech tools market themselves, how TAMPs market themselves. It's easy in investment managers. They have different rules and regulations sometimes. And a fintech tool saying we're the best XYZ software is not, you know, they're not, they're going after advisors. They're not going after clients. But if you tell clients, I use this best XYZ software Mm -hmm. and something goes wrong, they're going to come back and say, hey, you told me you're using the best tool for this and I didn't get there. So I kind of felt like you promised me because you said it's the best. So obviously you did something wrong or the tool did something wrong. You just... You want to, and now you that's outside emphasize. of your control. Yeah. Exactly. So you want to really emphasize your process. I think this process helps clients get on the best road to retirement. I think yeah. this tool uh, in the financial planning process helps client identify risk or identify gaps in their investment plan. Yeah. Um, you want to you want to say, hey, it's a good product, and I'm good at using it. But it's you never want to get anywhere that might be deemed i'm promising you you use this you work with me we're gonna get there no matter what we're gonna win yeah i love that all right last question this is going back to that one before and i think it's a great way to tie up what's the um what's something that can be done today what's something an advisor can do today to help uh jumpstart their firm's culture of compliance just like in in a fitness journal journey you know the biggest thing is is taking the first step you got to commit to it. And in times of compliance, you might not know what that step is or yeah, it feels steps, daunting. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, hey, I haven't done it all year. I mean, if you told me I had to go write a compliance manual right now, I would just lay down on the yeah. floor and start eating Skittles. I'm not. So, well, that, I mean, you should do that anyway. I mean, that's how I write <laughs> compliance manuals right now. Um, there's actually nothing wrong with it. Um, but the first step is I, I really say is get organized. Um, just like if you're an advisor talking to a client that wants to retire, but they have all their assets all over the place, they don't know how much debt they're in, they don't know how much their retirement accounts are making. You need to get organized. So where are all your compliance reports, your manuals, your documentation? Are they all over the place on your computer or are they in your dedicated compliance folder? Are you updating it? Can you find it? If somebody said, hey, show me if an, I mean, it's never, not never. You want to watch out on prompt story talk. Very rarely, (laughs) you know, an examiner will show up on your front door unannounced and, and, you know, ask to see, you know, usually you get a two week notice, a three day, you know, five day notice. But if they were and they said, hey, Jess, where is your, show me all your trade blotters for the last year or your Q2 billing report. Could you get that immediately? And once you get it, has it been reviewed? Has it been signed off by the principal or the CCO? So take that first step to get organized. Put all your files in one place. Then start going through and looking at your compliance manual. If you have one, you should. If you don't, give me a holler. Call we'll, you. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll, we'll write you up one. But read that compliance manual and see what what am I say, what am I telling regulators I'm doing on a compliance basis? Because they're going to ask to see that and then say, "Hey, you said you're supposed to be reviewing your billing every month. Let me see those reports." Well, I haven't been doing it. Well, you know, not having a compliance manual is really bad. But it's not very good to have one and not follow it. You yeah. know, that shows I paid somebody to do a compliance manual for me, and I've not looked at it ever since. And just like buying a business plan or making a marketing plan, if you just put it on the desk and don't follow it, what's the point? Your compliance manual is exactly the same. So get organized. Find all those in, like that information and then start detailing what you have done and what you haven't. You should be able to have a list of all the reports you need to run. We call it compliance testing. So you're going to be testing your processes of, hey, I review billing on a monthly basis. Well, how do I do it? You know, I print the billing report. I verify. I, I pull a couple of accounts. You know, I first skim it to, to make sure nothing seems really out of place. I pull a couple of accounts to verify that the billing report number matches what, you know, taken out of the account and I reviewed it on this date. I initial it and say, Hey, everything looks good. You know, you want to look into your manual and say, what do I have to do? And then start doing it. And the beauty with compliance is unless they're showing up at your door, you have time to do it. This is not like a client request saying I need to check out tomorrow. This is not a, I need to rebalance by the quarter or bill at the quarter. If you spend a couple hours here and there to build that up, you're doing well. And again, kind of like school, kind of like doing algebra and calculus, you get points for doing the work. You know, it might not be a full credit, but you're doing the work and you're showing you are. If you're behind, if it's not A plus level compliance review, at least you're going to get points of saying, hey, I'm trying and I'm doing it rather than ignoring it. So, 
just how any client needs to know where they are on a net worth balance sheet. Any fitness person needs to know how strong, how weak, or how much weight they want to lose. You got to know it day one, and then you actually have to show up and go do it. So use my reward system. You know, uh, reward yourself with some Skittles every time you do a compliance. Go buy yourself a bag of Skittles and spend Friday at 10 a.m. doing your compliance reports. Eat that bag of Skittles and then go lift heavy stuff. Compliance was an area I struggled with the most while trying to get my planning firm up and running. And Kyle helped me navigate through the noise to find solutions. If you're looking for help with creating a positive compliance culture in your firm, definitely reach out to Kyle at Backstop Compliance to get started before it becomes overwhelming. You can find Kyle on Twitter at Kyle Hoppy and also on LinkedIn as Kyle Hoppy. Thanks for listening, friends. Now go lift heavy and be kind.